0: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello, and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Buck. Uh, joining me today, we have uh, Patrick Bexel and Matt Drake. We'll get to them in just a bit. The, the last of the major pro sports leagues are off and running, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for raging news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts and uh, where the podcast starts is uh, over in Switzerland as there was news on Saturday that the uh the team in Cloton where David Reinbacher is playing uh has fired their coach, a coach that uh, the Canadians uh in part sent him there to play under uh but as we know uh these things can change. It's uh it's not the first time that this has happened because it happened uh, a few years ago with yes Ferry Kinyemi's father as well. obviously he was in Montreal at the time but uh like uh, like you said to us yesterday, Patrick, uh, and we'll start with you. Uh, you don't send a coach. You don't send a player there just because of the coach, uh, because there's a chance he can get fired.
1: Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> of course it's it's. I mean, let's focus first and foremost on on uh, Gary Fleming, and and you know he has that connection to Montreal and and uh, everyone else, and the, the fact is like. What is his coaching career? He's been assistant coach as and Berlin, which is a good team. Uh, then he went to the ECHL for the Iowa Heartlanders. Um I don't know his record there. And then he played for the Lions of Frankfurt or Leuven and German uh, in DEL where he finished top top 8. Um and let's just you know go with some facts here. The DEL, the German League is not a very good league in Europe. So going into arguably the second best league in Europe at the moment, with a team that is, you know, they're they're there to, to stay up. And you start the season this way. And in some ways the the Friday's game was was totally, you know, a, it, it just spoke of the season. And they were 1-0 up, they were 2-0 two two up I think, and then they came back to 2-2 two, two, uh, on a Nathan Bellew, um mistake in the last minutes. Uh, before the goalie in overtime is trying to send the puck away, hits the forward on the arm, and the forward can poke it in uh, in overtime, obviously losing at that point. Colton is second to last in the standings and they lost on Sunday, Saturday again And obviously, directly after the game, um, Fleming was fired. Um, Clawton has stated that due to the risk of not reaching the club's declared goals, the management is of the opinion that this current situation uh, new impulses are needed. And uh, Larry Mitchell and uh, the GM will take over as coach along with the other coaching team, which is... uh, Saku Kimo Rintanen, and Tim So, you know, the, the the same team will be there. They will just need another voice or a new voice that might add to this team later on. But I think, let's face it, Grinbauer is probably the best defender that Korten has. He it's not going to impact his ice time. Is <laughs> on the contrary, you might get used more on the power play and more on the box play.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's you know you can say its it's it might be likely that his injury uh is what led to their slow start which is what led to them having to sign Nathan Bollier um to shore up their defense uh which which a lot of Canadians fans are probably laughing at uh like I am a little bit um and then uh it's all kind of connected but yeah I I don't think that this uh, affects Nathan uh Nathan Bollier.
1: Uh, I don't think it well, it's not going to have, affect his <laughs> development either. It <laughs> no, might, <it's... laughs> might affect Nathan Bollier, but <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, I don't think it's going to affect David uh development. Obviously, they need him as much as he needs to play. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to affect it that much. And just to, to answer your question, you said you didn't know what his record was. Uh, his last four seasons as a head coach in North America, out of playoffs, out of playoffs. Out of playoffs, out of playoffs. Um, so those were those were his last three years in the AHL. Which, by the way, one of his assistant coaches was the uh, Laval Rocket head coach Jean-Francois Houle, and uh, his last year in the AH, ECHL. Sorry.
1: Uh, um. So yeah, and I it, you know it it speaks volumes in in some ways. You have to wonder why do they bring him in, right? Mm. You, you can say that about a lot of coaches, even in North America.
0: <laughs> when when people have losing records, and uh, people magically think that they can
1: get better. But, but to go back, yeah, you, you have to be with a relegation system that is in Europe. Right, you have to be. You have to understand that you just don't send him over because they're going to keep him until the end of the season and then fire him. Yeah, you can fire two, three coaches during the season here,
0: <laughs> right? If, if if the NHL had a relegation system, Martin St. Louis would already be fired. Let's yeah. be honest, <laughs> right? The, the Montreal Canadiens would not deal with being in the, the bottom five for for two years in a row. Uh, but obviously, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a different system in, in North, and, North and America. And you know,
1: you would never have the chance that Babcock have to to play, uh, build up a team from scratch in a right. way, right? Yeah. So you're... so 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 you. you you don't have that security. I mean, it's it's a tough job in NHL, but it's usually for the mid-tier teams. The top teams are going very well. The mid-tier teams are you making the playoffs or not referring you. The bottom teams, yeah, we can keep you around for another couple of months. We, we might get a better draft pick.
0: Right, it, it, exactly. It, it goes to show, right, the team that changed their coach in the NHL, the first team to do it, Edmonton. Well, not counting Columbus because that was a whole different situation. Uh, But Edmonton, right, they have high expectations. They expect to go on, and uh, the teams that are at the bottom they expect to lose. There's no real disincentive for losing, like there is in the relegation system. Uh, so yeah, obviously, big news, but you know, it's always a big story when that happens, especially giving Fleming's uh, connections to Montreal. And there's you know, there's a lot of stories written about that in, in Montreal media, but. Like like you said that you know David Reinbacher they need David Reinbacher as much as as much as David Reinbacher needs to play I, I don't expect a big change uh, at least a negative change in in, in the way that he's going to go forward because like you mentioned
1: same system and, and same before, teams and before I, I uh, sign off here because I have to write the EPR uh, <laughs> I need to tell correct myself that uh, Frankfurt Lions finished tenth uh, in the DL last year. So, instead of eight yeah <laughs> yeah awesome oh, okay <laughs> Good, great
0: thank you for that update Patrick. <laughs> yeah well
1: eight, eight would probably have been like half half the table but this right. is there's a the lower end <laughs> <laughs> Patrick right. thank you so much thank for you your guys. insight
0: yeah thanks for yeah. your insight yes. uh we, we knew that you had to, we had to have you to talk about it because you do a, a lot better job than we would <laughs> uh, right. uh, I think Matt would agree with that um and uh so, so thank you for that Matt uh well, we'll bring you in now how are you doing
2: i'm, I'm doing terrific i i kind of wish i didn't watch that game last night but <laughs> aside from that terrific
0: yeah you know I, I i did not watch most of it either because i was on laval rocket duty uh which was not much of a better game. To lucky be you <laughs> well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <But> everything's <laughs> relative at least he scored three times although i think once y'all scored scored twice it was five two in the end uh, they got two goals so yeah, two goals so it was close enough, but, you know. I, you know, I, you the, could
2: argue maybe they didn't deserve two goals, but <laughs> <laughs> they yeah,
0: got them. played well. Uh, that's you know, he got two points,
2: which he uh, did. And you know, I I felt like that was you know that was what I wrote about in the bottom six article. Um, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast as well. Like I I think there's a, a sense of impending doom among the fan base right now with uh, the way <laughs> things have gone lately, and I feel like, you know, sometimes when when we get into a, a funk like this with the Habs losing a lot of games, um, people can't see the forest for the trees, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty decent game from Slavkovsky. His underlying numbers weren't great, but whose were on on the <laughs> team? So, um, realistically, I, I liked to, to see the additional shooting confidence coming from him, which has been coming up over the last couple of games, really. Um, I don't know if whatever they were doing with the shooter-tutor at practice actually paid off a little bit for him. Uh, certainly didn't for Josh Anderson, but... For your guys, it seems like he's he's taking a step forward in that regard. So I liked it. And he did get his goal away from his actual regular line. It was like during a line change and he kind of stayed on the ice and he was out there with Newhook and uh, Suzuki and Suzuki put a really nice uh, saucer pass to him uh, coming out from Gretzky's office behind the net. So uh, look, it, was it a perfect game? Uh, should we be sitting here singing his praises uh, to, to the stars? no but it was a pretty good game and i think i'm seeing i'm seeing positive progress from him so i think as fans that's something that we can at least latch onto and say hey you know as as bad as the team's been recently there's we, we have that and i think that's probably worth more to the team to have him progressing positively than wins right now
0: uh, yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting because you know so much has been said about you know josh anderson's struggles and, and things like that and that might be hurting the team's results right now, but in the long run, it doesn't really matter right when when, when this team is ready no. to compete, Josh Anderson will very likely not be a major part of it if he's a part of it at all. And, and I think that, that that's the thing. Like you know, there were you know they, they had a good start they they were in like a playoff kind of like bubble position, which I think nobody nobody really I think rational expected them to be there all year there are always going to be these these peaks and valleys especially after Kirby Dock went down because I, I i think one of the major issues with this team right now is that they don't have a a number 3 center who can become a number 2 center when needed and, and they tried new hook there it didn't work out they they've tried monahan there it, it's had mixed results he's kind of gotten cold lately that that line with Pearson and Gallagher has kind of been um, separated. At least it was uh, on Saturday and, you know, Christian Dvorak had some time there as well. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, I, you know, Jake Evans is, is kind of the, not like the fourth line kind of mainstay. And I I don't think that Monaghan and Dvorak are bad players. I just think they aren't capable of playing that second line role Getting you know expecting sixty points on them, especially when the Canadians don't really have the wingers to compensate for it, and yeah. and that second line has had some combination of Pearson, Slavkovsky, Newhook, Anderson, Gallagher, right? That's kind of been the kind of the kind of trios they've been putting out there. Um, they had they had Ullinen yeah. out there, I guess Ullinen out there uh, on Saturday, and you know you don't want to judge things based on one game, obviously. Especially against a team as good as the Bruins are, uh, let's be real, but uh, or at least better than the Canadians. But I, I think that th- there's so much demand demanded on that center that it, it makes things difficult because the the wingers can't really compensate, and it, it's kind of a uh, a mix um, a mismatch. And I think that what we're seeing is that they don't really have a distinct style of play. And they're kind of figuring out things on the fly because they can't really make many changes. You're kind of stuck with the guys that are in the, the NHL right now unless you really want to do something, you know, really drastic, like put someone on waivers or, you know, and I don't think they want to do that, mainly because there, there's no real need to or rush to. But there are some options in Laval, a little bit, uh, yeah. and, and one that you're pretty fond of.
2: I yeah and uh, I think everybody knows where where you're going with that it's it's mm-hmm. Joshua Hawaii. Um I mean he's been playing fantastic since the beginning of the season Laval. Um I've watched more Rocket games than than I normally would uh, early in a season cuz I got somebody down there that I'm really rooting for. Um and I've been super impressed with everything that he's done. Now I understand a lot of people and none of you are wrong when you're saying, "Hey, let's let's hold off. Let's let the kid cook in Laval." There's nothing wrong with that at all and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that sentiment. What I am saying is the next call up, the next time that somebody goes down uh, in the forward group and they need a body, it's gotta be him. I, I don't want to hear anything about you Armia I don't want to hear uh, Leah Sanderson. Um, I know he's hurt right now anyway, so he wouldn't be an option for them, but I, I don't want to hear about anybody else. That's the guy that I want to see them give him a taste. Um, I, I think he's earned it. Um, and I get it. people want to let him, you know, dominate in the AHL a little bit, but I think for the future of this team, it's it's not beneficial for us to see a, a four or five game Yoel Armia stint. We know what he is. We know what he can do. Um, and as much as they might like to showcase him a little bit and try to get a trade, let's face it, that contract is a problem that they're unfortunately going to have to probably deal with via a buyout or, or something else in the offseason, because I don't see another team taking that on uh, mid year for them. I would rather see Joshua, I'd rather bring him up and only do it if you're willing to give him a top six spot and give him a really good look, I don't know, for four or five games, however long you happen to need somebody for the next injury. I think, again, like like I said when it came to URS Likovsky, are are we really worried about wins right now? No, we're not. What we are worried about is positive progress from some of those young players that figure to be a part of the core uh, once this team is ready to compete. And he's one of those guys. So I think um, he's done enough to earn a call-up. Uh the question is when. And for me, the answer is whenever the next time they need a body.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that, that's a that's a key point because you, you don't want to bring him up and you know, send down or wave Josh Anderson or you know anything kind of really drastic like that. Because no. because if he's not able to to, to stay there, you want to have that flexibility, right? And and you don't wanna and, and you know, let's face it, Laval is short on forwards um to riviere short on forwards like there's there's quickly becoming a, an issue with with health which always happens i mean you know you yeah. can go back to our podcast at the beginning of the year and we're like how is laval going to fit all these players in? well guess what they're short players now they need players from from the ECHL um which always happens it always happens um and, and so yeah I, I don't think you want to leave yourself short organizationally but i think yeah if you need a body that's kind of the the direction you would go in, especially given you know Leas Anderson is out now six to eight weeks. You know there there's there's a there's not that instant guy you can bring up. You know there there's yeah. there is Armia, but uh, I think that you know he he can stay in Laval for a bit. I, I think that they need that kind of presence as well. I think that helps them. Um Yeah, and Juan has been much better than I expected. You know they had a really str- rough stretch, five games in seven days. And I thought last game on Saturday in Utica was his worst game that I've seen him play, mm. and and it, it's normal, right? Like young guys, especially coming from junior, where you play like you know twice, maybe three times a week. You going to five games yeah. in seven days is is rough, and and they started the week in Manitoba, played a couple of games in Laval, and then took a bus to Utica. Like that's the, that's not an easy week. That you know, it's it's no. a very AHL week, um, not typical, but it's it's a week that that can happen. Um, you know, it's not the the three and three and with travel <laughs> that you see sometimes, but it's it's yeah. almost in in some cases just as bad. Um, but but yeah, I think that he's you know he's shown what he needs to show, and I think he's definitely on the short list for when they need a body but I wouldn't rush things and make changes just for the sake of changes because you know like, like you alluded to wins don't really matter right like you don't, need, they, you don't need an instant result you know or what 15 or so games into the season like it, it's it, 18 it's, right. yeah yeah so I mean it's panic time <laughs> yeah no I mean it's it, it was a great story you know when they're winning it's great when they're losing people want to be like, okay, make some changes, but let's face it. Like we, we knew, you knew this season was not going to be easy. You know, let's put it that way. And, 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 you know, the the lows have been really low. Like when they get the Canadians have a bad game, it's a really bad game, right? Like there's no in between. And I think that that's what makes it harder for, to watch them. Right. Because you know, they're capable of better. So when they, when they perform badly, it's like, okay, like, this is bad. Like, what are we doing here? So I I think it's it's a little bit rough, and it's, we mentioned the injuries in Laval as well. Like it's it's rough out there. It's tough out there right now.
2: It's funny that you mentioned Hawaii oh, having a bad game against Utica, also because I had people in my mentions. Like I'm, I was doing the halves game, <laughs> so I wasn't watching it. But I had people yeah. popping into in my mentions, being like, "Oh, he's having a bad game." And it's like, I don't understand this desire to to dump on young players right now from the fan base. There's there's a lot of fans out there that are just there. They're just itching to get something negative out uh, about a prospect. And to some of those people, you know, if, any, if you're listening and you watch that Utica game and you're going, what's going on with Joshua? What? Did you watch the night before where he should have had two assists? He got robbed by the refs of a, a second assist. Looked fantastic out there. Um, and like, I, I just don't get how the next night has a bad game and all of a sudden you go, okay, well, that's indicative of the player that he is. Uh, like as you mentioned, the schedule has been pretty rough lately. Um, I think he's one of those few players coming up from junior where the schedule isn't going to impact him as much as it might others uh, because he's got that pro size uh, because he's, you know, six foot tall and he's about 200 pounds. He's, you know, he's got the body of a man already at at 20 years old and he's still got room to grow as well. Uh, but it's still not going to be zero impact coming from junior into a schedule like that against men. There's going to be games where it's it's going to be, uh, less than ideal from him and you know he, he got one out of the way and hopefully he's back to back to his old tricks in the next game so I'm, I'm not worried about him and again next injury in the halves that's the name I want to hear
0: yeah and it, it's kind of funny because I mean Laval also missing basically an entire top line right like we mentioned yeah. Anderson who's been out for a little while Mitchell Stevens left uh Friday's game uh, as did Philip Maillet uh, they were all out on, on Saturday and it's kind of like, okay, well, like, like basically the Laval lineup was like the third line became uh, the fourth line became a third line. The The fourth line was essentially guys who were in Trois-Viers the night before. <laughs> and, yeah. and the, the yeah. top two lines were just kind of like guys who were, you know, middle six guys who are now like, okay, you're top six guys now have fun. <laughs> like
2: it, it's, it's not ideal. And yeah, that's, um, you know, imagine that you lose two forwards. They lost two forwards in the previous game at the beginning of the second period also. So they played yeah. basically two periods with 10 forwards. And then, like you said, got on a bus, went to Utica and played the next night. You Come on, man, You that could be an NHL team. Um, And they're still going to probably have a rough night on game number two.
0: Right. And not to mention those two guys you lost were top players and you replaced yeah. them with <laughs> ECHL players. Right? Like, it's not like you're, you're
2: replacing these guys. They played the players. night before, didn't they? Yes, they also played. They, 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 they traveled separately.
0: So like, you had, yeah, uh, voyer and your Erem, who were called up, um, on on basically Saturday morning, um, I guess you know they probably knew had a good feeling that they would need the bodies because they knew that that Stevens and uh, Maier weren't going to play. So yeah, you had them take a, a separate travel. Um, I don't think they they got a bus just for the two of them. Maybe they drove up and you know, maybe they drove up themselves. Who knows?
2: <laughs> got a maneuver.
0: Yeah, well, well that happened once, right? They, literally uh last year at one point, uh <laughs> they had to stop the Tuagia bus before they got to the border at a, at a gas station, tell somebody to get off, pick them up in an Uber and drive them back to Laval. <laughs> that's that's the minor league sometimes. Uh yeah. when, when that happens. And and yeah, like you know, there there's a lot of people who are just expecting the worst. And and we've mentioned this before on the podcast, like it development, uh, is, you know, it, it only looks bad. You only notice it when it's bad, right? No one, no one stays. Oh yeah, they, they, this development path is super great. Like everyone, they're doing a great job with this development. Like, nobody says that. They, it's only notice it when it's bad. And I think that development yep. has been so bad for so long in this organization that whenever something seems to go wrong people expect that to be the new norm, right? So when Slavkovsky struggled a little bit, that's the new norm. And then he ends up playing better and improves. And he has since then. Uh, Joshua, why? He has a bad game. People are like, oh, is this the new normal? Is he gone cold now? Was that just a hot streak? And and people expect, and I understand the feeling. I understand where that comes from. It, It comes from your past experience. Like, I understand it. But we have to also look big picture that things are different now. And and there's different people in charge and different players as well. Right. Because uh, the players are not blameless in this either um, when it comes to development. And, and, you know, I think that that's important as well. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, you look at the previous six, uh, you know, the previous four games of that five and seven stretch and Joshua and Sean Farrell were probably the two best players on the ice most of the time. Uh, And, you know, one bad game and, and again, he he I'm not saying he was great on Saturday. He was not, but there's circumstances here. Like let, let's calm down a bit. Everyone's you know, you, you play if you play 78 great games in the AHL, um, it's impossible because you'll probably get called up before then, right? Like that's just the yeah. reality situation. <laughs> um you're not, play, you're not uh, lasting. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Nobody plays 78 great games in the AHL because um, you know, you get called up more likely than not. So but uh, yeah, no, it's nothing to worry about, but it, it, you know, it's the reason we're bringing it up is because, you know, I, I do think he's an option for the NHL as opposed to just rotating in veterans like, like they have been. And, and yeah. I understand that as well, right? Like I understand why they recall Gustav Lindstrom instead of looking at a guy like Jaden Struble or Mayu or Norlander or, or, you know, uh, Trudeau. I understand why you don't want to throw somebody into the wolves. Um necessarily and that's why they they had they called up Armia as well. But I, I think that as we get deeper into the season, that's that's something that, that you look at doing. Um, you know, both teams are going on road trips uh coming up. So, you know, I, I don't think there'll be any major changes anytime soon unless like like no. you know, unless it's needed uh for injuries and stuff like that.
2: But plus it's the uh it's the dreaded California road trip. which we know the California road trip, (laughs) the first one they do every season. It's shit. And the funny
0: funny part is, is like, it it was understandable like five, 10 years ago when all three teams were good, but San Jose and Anaheim kind of suck now. yeah, it's still bad. And it's still bad.
2: (laughs) I said that on the, on the, the bottom six last night, actually, I was like, you know, this is, this is probably their best chance in the last, I, I guess 10 years where they could maybe go into California and have a three game set and actually go two and one. I think the Kings game is going to be our rough one, Yes, but you know, who knows? The, the, the they Habs have shown hat-trick. that they're, yeah. And they're capable somehow of getting up for some of those games against right. much better teams. Yes. We've seen them. We've seen the Jekyll and Hyde effect already twice. We had game one against Vegas. Fantastic. Game two against Vegas. Brutal game one against Boston. Fantastic game two against Boston. <laughs> brutal so you don't know which version of the team is going to show up but you go into every game going well i know they're capable of surprising the shit out of me against this team and you know you kind of just let the chips fall where they may um and and
0: that's what makes the that's what makes the bad performances so frustrating i think for fans yeah is that you've seen the good so why are they so bad and and you can you know you mentioned the two games against vegas and boston you could also throw in the game against arizona the game against calgary where mm-hmm. they they decidedly played down to their opponents, um, as opposed to, you know, getting up for them and, and and you know I don't want to say they played down to them, but they they weren't at the level that they were in the good games, and yeah, and, no. I, and I think that that's, you know that that's important to look at as well. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's you know the it helps that the San Jose game is in the afternoon too. So you know if there is some you know jet lag that that's kind of more on their schedule than than it would be uh normally. Uh and it's better for us too, because we don't have to stay up till one o'clock in
2: the morning to yeah. watch it. Well we do uh, for the for the Wednesday game. Yeah, no, it, we, there, there
0: are some, but at least it's not three. Right? Like yeah. that 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 yeah. was the whole thing. Is like the the, the the third part of that road trip was St. Louis, which was a seven o'clock start. So it wasn't as bad as, as when they when they go all together and they you know all, all you know four or five games in a row at, at ten uh ten or ten thirty Eastern. Obviously you're you're an hour ahead of that so it's even worse for you but uh yeah it's it's gonna be interesting but i know, won't be this
2: time actually i'm gonna be in montreal oh, uh, for the whole trip which there you go. Uh, is weird you you aren't actually yeah. there so i don't get to see a game <laughs> yeah, but exactly. yeah i'm gonna be on the south shore for the the whole thing so well,
0: there you go so you, you get to save an hour it's, it's better for you as well um but let's face it you know <laughs> a lot of this podcast is like um yelling and stuff but but i think that if you're looking for people yelling and screaming for change, um, I'm sorry we disappointed you in this episode. Uh, but I, I think that you know it is it is what it is, right? Like, I, I understand the frustration. I'm not saying to deal with it and, and be quiet about it. But at the same time, what are you really going to do? You're going to fire Martin St. Louis?
2: No, yeah. it's not going to happen. I mean, they could at least deal with this uh, ménage à trois that they've got going on in the net. Um, well, I, yes. I think that's maybe something that, that fans would, that we should be looking at a little bit harder than, than some of the young players and, you know, dumping on their performances, because I really don't think that, that this can continue very long. I don't think it's good for Ken Primo. I don't think it's good for Jake Allen's trade value. I don't think it's good for Semyon Montempo's trade value or for his development as well. We got to keep in mind, he's still a pretty young goaltender, uh, that could potentially be an answer for them moving forward. I think, I think that's really, for me, uh, I, I know a lot of people are probably screaming hearing me say this because, yes, there are issues with the with the actual lineup on defensive and forward and the, their defensive zone coverage is bad, but they appear to have three pretty capable goalies. And right now, they, there's not enough work to go around for three capable goalies. They need to move one of them. So it's kind of like shit or get off the pot time where – you know, Kent, need you to start making some deals here. There are teams out there that are starving for goaltenders. Looking at you, Edmonton. Now, of course, they're <laughs> cap strapped, so it's going to be tough to make a deal happen with them. But there are teams out there that are starving for goaltenders. I don't see how this, you know, three goalie system can last much longer. And you know, if we're talking about change, um, that's one thing that I would probably advocate before anything else is deal with that because I'd, I'd really like to see them, you know, get back down to two goaltenders and uh, you can have a 1A, 1B and split the games right down the middle if you want. But at least everybody's getting work right now. You've, you've got one guy in the press box every night, no matter what. And um, not only is that guy not going to be getting an opportunity to maybe get into the net if things get out of hand or anything, but he's just, he's up there eating hot dogs in the press box. I, I, I just don't see how this is beneficial to them. I think they need to make a move there.
0: Yeah, and my thinking on that, you know, people are saying, "Oh, which goalie do you trade?" You know what I? You know what goalie I would trade? The one that gets you the most return. I don't care. Yep. <laughs> I, if it's Montembeau, you trade Montembeau and you you deal with it. Uh, I I I think that you you just you don't you don't play around with it. That's what I would do. I would just trade the one that gets you the most return, uh, whether it's Montembeau Primo. I, I don't really care. Um, and you know, you figure stuff out afterwards Right. because I don't think either one of those guys is going to be like a one a that you lean on you're going to need to get another goalie anyway um might yeah. as well might as well get the most return and uh and figure it out and and, and you know I'm, I'm sure some teams are probably lowballing them they're not the only team with three goalies right detroit who montreal just played a, a little while ago they have three goalies as well like it, it's it, it's uh there are teams that have the depth that they're kind of like storing and and hoarding a little bit um yeah but but i think that that's that's kind of the name in the game is it becomes a waiting game and you know it, at least at least they're rotating primo in like i was scared they would just like not let him play at all um yeah. so at least at least they're rotating him in that I, I i like to see that so but yeah it's not ideal for anybody involved uh so yeah I, I think they get that done um matt thank you so much for for taking the time obviously thanks to patrick who joined us uh in the first part if you if you skipped it or or, or I don't know why I would say you joined in late. You kind of fic- you you can pick where you start this thing, uh, but yeah, if you if you didn't pay attention to that section, go back and listen to it. Um, but thank you so much for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Bet Online, uh, and we'll see you next time on have Some Mindy.